Good evening, everybody. Howdy. How are you, honey? I'm great. How are you? You're doing well? I'm well. Awesome. Yeah. Welcome back to the Castro Files. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you. It's awesome. We've got some fun stories to talk about. You've got a fun story to talk yes. about tonight. Like I said in the last episode. Mixing it up a we're bit. We're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to break our stories into two <clears throat> separate stories so yes. that we have two 20-minute shows. Kind of just episodes a week. So yeah. we'll release one on Sundays and then one on Tuesdays Correct. so that you have a little bit more time to kind of go through and listen and, yeah. you know. Plus, I want to make sure everybody hears both stories, right? Because they're right. fun. You've always got some great stories. I like the stories that I tell, of course. I yes. mentioned this last time, right? Yeah. So go out, like, and subscribe on YouTube, of course, if you're already out here listening to it. And also go out, check out all, if you want to listen to it on the audio channels, you can go out to iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio and all the good places. Like and subscribe out there, but it's also it's under the Castro Files. Yes. You can find this where you can find all of our shows. And then also the audio, you're going to find them under the bars open with Beth and right. Greg. So that's our other show that we do as well. Correct. So what do you have to share tonight? Let's so, jump into some of this. And forgive me. Uh, my allergies are bad oh, today. Yeah, Cedar, Cedar's Never like, going away. Right. It's so bad right now. So I'm a little congested. It might clear my throat a couple times. But I do have a great story from a, a book called Fright Bites. Short Tales of Terror by Michael Micah Edwards. Nice. Um, and mine tonight, of course, I've got to find it. Give me one second. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. Right? Well, you you know. So uh, what's it about? Like, Give it a little premise. Um, sensory. Deprivation? Yes. Sensory deprivation. Correct. So um, this one is called The Fear of Silence. All right, so just kind of flashing back, we did, remember we did, we did that Russian sleep experiment well, yes. or whatever, right? where they weren't sleeping? This right. kind of gives me like a little bit of a flashback. Well, and we've done sensory deprivation. I was not oh, a like fan. Oh, like in, those ta- in yeah. the float tank? I was not a fan. You liked it. Uh, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't. Get I, calm. I couldn't get calm. I couldn't shut my brain down. And then I kept waiting for something to reach out and grab me. <laughs> um, right. So this story I found out was very fitting for me because I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is why. Yeah. So <clears throat> back right. in, ready? Yep. Okay. I'm absolutely back in 1956, I signed up for a psych experiment in college. They had a float tank, one of those sensory deprivation chambers, and they needed people willing to be closed up in it. Easiest experiment in the world as far as I was concerned. All they wanted was for me to lay in water for an hour, and they were going to pay me $5. This was the 50s, mind you, so that's like getting 40 maybe $50 today. I signed up in a heartbeat. So did half of the campus, judging by the line when I got there. But I got lucky in the lottery and was chosen. Well, it seemed lucky at the time. Yeah. At first, it was really, I'm sorry, at first, it really was the easiest money I'd ever made. I'd come in three times a week put on a specially wired wetsuit that the eggheads had made, and climb into the tank. They'd hook me up, close the lid, and I'd just float there for an hour. For the first few minutes, I'd find myself listening to the water and smelling the salt. But soon, even those would fade out, and I'd just be drifting. I know that sounds obvious, but I don't just mean in the physical sense. I'd come unmoored in there, completely detached from my surroundings and myself. Some of the other participants reported having visions and out-of-body experiences, but I never had any of that. I was always just gone. Not gone anywhere in particular, just gone. Sometimes it felt like they were opening the lid seconds after they closed it. Other times I'd swear that I'd been in there for years, even even decades. 
I'd come out of those times blinking and shocked to find that I was still a young man. I'd, I felt I'd lived lifetimes and just somehow couldn't quite remember them. I was never asleep. Their wetsuit doohickeys checked, that, checked on that. Alpha waves or something, I don't know. I did fall asleep a couple of times in the early sessions, and both times I was startled awake by what sounded like a cannon firing in my right ear. There was someone knocking on the outside tank. Let me tell you, I didn't care how deep of a sleeper you are. The tank, the, the way the tank reverberated, it would wake the dead. It, 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 it because does. they're so hollow. You hear even just a drop, drop of water, of water it, like your foot. Yeah. Because we did it once. Yes. We did it a little while back, maybe yeah. like a few months back. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's, yeah. It's very, everything's echoey. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I never knew what the, they were. I never knew what they were recording or what they were looking for. They'd ask me questions when I got out, but they were always open-ended. Tell us about your experience. Things like that. Then they'd just listen while I talked. Pencil scratching and big cameras rolling. They were big budget for those days. It must have been some sort of government grant. They never really got their money's worth out of me, in my opinion. I never had much to report in the after sessions. My experience was always the same. I was nowhere doing nothing. The only difference was how long I thought I had been. I dutifully told them each time. I felt like I was in there for 30 seconds. It felt like I was in there for 40 years. They wrote it all down every time and gave me five bucks, so I was happy to continue coming back. Then, one day, it was different. I was in the tank. I was nowhere. I was no how. And suddenly, I could sense something else. I could see it, but not with my eyes. My eyes saw only blackness, yet I had the impression of something else there. If sight were speech, then my eyes wouldn't have my eye, if sight were speech, then my eyes didn't have the words to explain whatever this was. I felt it in the same confusing way. It touched me, an exploratory caress, but not any physical sensation. I felt ideas, felt them as textures and pressure. I wasn't equipped to understand them that way, but somehow I felt they were negative. And I heard it. I heard it with my ears. The sound of it. It scratched and it tore little rippling noises like metal rasps being dragged across the carpet. It dragged a heavy, wet sound that spoke to, of rotten ooze and petrification. It rattled. The sound of cicadas, husks stirred by the wind. The noise of an old man's dying breath. All this I heard. The only sound ever to reach me in the tank. And quite though they were, and lost though I was, I heard them gradually increasing in volume as they grew closer and closer. I was nowhere. I was no one. Yet this thing saw me, knew me. It was coming towards me. I could almost see it in the blackness where there should have been nothing but blackness. I could almost feel it in the ideas running over my skin. And I could hear it, hear, airy, hear every blasphemous noise it made. I do not know why my ears perceived it so perfectly, but every sound it made imprinted on my brain there in the dark. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. I know we're going to get to it. Mm -hmm. But if I hear that um, and yeah. I'm in one of those tanks. But he was under. I know. So like physically he was in the tank, but mentally. He's in like He's Pluto. somewhere else. He's well, he's nowhere. No, we'll to, talk about it. I got some yeah. questions for you after. Yeah. <clears throat> All That's right. Creepy. So I was I was nowhere. I was no one. Yet this thing saw me, knew me. It was coming towards me. I think I read this part. So yeah. sorry. I could almost see it in the blackness where there should only be no blackness. I read that. Um, 
I'm going to keep going. And I could hear it, hear its blasphemous noise it made. I don't know why my ears perceived it so perfectly, but every sound it made imprinted on my brain there in the dark. And then suddenly I was gasping and floundering in the water, a rectangle of light before my eyes. The hatch was opened and one of the experimenters offering me a handout. He saw my confusion, my disorientation and asked, did something happen? That day they got their money's worth. In the light, it seemed silly, a passing fancy, but I told them of what I heard and experienced. I replicated the noise as best as I could, but they were never meant to be made by a healthy human throat. Maybe I should have quit that day, but by the time I returned three days later, I had convinced myself it was nothing but a nightmare, and I wasn't about to give up my meal ticket over something so simple. So, back in the tank I went. <clears throat> again, it came while I was lost in the black. I heard it again. It's terrible, broken... Carpice scraping along the ground, dragging along by countless skittering legs. I knew it came for me, and bodiless, I tried to run. I had no way of knowing if I moved or not, though, and steadily it closed in on me, though whatever passed for distance here. It was close enough for me to smell its hunger when I found myself blinking in the light again, my heart pounding. Something's got you spooked, I remember the experimenter saying to me. Your heart's going a mile a minute. In the post-interview, I told them the noise again, and they showed me a surprise. They had put a microphone in with me this time to try to identify the source of the sounds. They played back the tape, and we turned up the volume and held our breaths. I expected to hear nothing, uh, but thought that perhaps the microphone would detect some mundane, some resulting from the lab outside that I had blown into a nightmarish proportion. And then, to my shock, it came. It's softly shredding metal, the whispering tongues, the graveyard rattle, quietly, distant, but approaching. There, I cried, pointing to the tape, as if I could identify the sound with my finger. The scientist looked at me quizzically. I frowned, for the sound had stopped. Back up the tape, I told them, and they did. I listened intently and whispered, there, there, as the noise started again. I, I haven't reset the tape yet, the assistant told me, looking bewildered, and I looked up to see that it was true. The wheels were still, the tape unmoving, yet in the silence I could hear the dreadful creature moving, hunting me. I looked from face to face. No one but me seemed to hear it, and when they spoke to me, I'm sorry, but when they spoke to ask me to describe it, I could not hear it either. In every silence, though, it resumed, always far away, as if it had lost the scent in the nose, uh, lost the scent in the noise. But when the silence were on, always inexorably dragging closer. I laughed it off that day. I told them that the dark must have gotten to me and that I would be back the next week for the next regular session. Perhaps I even meant it then, but for as long as we were talking, everything was normal. But when I left the building to walk home, I could hear its subtle pursuit in every pause. I sang to myself out loud on the way home. I clapped my hands in the pauses where I breathed and kept the noise going. When I reached my dormitory, I turned on my ceiling fan and collapsed onto my bed. My heart was racing, but with the steady whirl of the fan above me, the unearthly noise had ceased. Slowly, my heart calmed and I relaxed. By bedtime, I might have even convinced myself that things were fine. I was certainly relaxed enough to go to sleep, the spinning fan maintaining a soft sentinel above my head. In, in the middle of the night, I awoke with a blood-curling shriek. I could feel the horrid, uncanny touch upon my skin, hearing the rustling like a field of corn, dry and rattled on the stalks, swaying in the wind. It was there, in my room, upon me. I shouted, babbled, anything to drive it back, flailing for the lights to chase my fears. My roommate was out of his bed, 
tangled in the sheet, shouting, what is it? What is it? The fan, I cried. Did you turn off my fan? I was cold, he said, confused. Never, I told him, desperately pulling the cord above me. My savior spun to life, white noise obliterating the noise, or obliterating the silence. Never turn this off again. I apologized the next morning, blaming it on a night tear, but reiterated my request about the fan. He accepted my apology, but a few months later, transferred rooms anyways, citing a desire for peace and quiet. For I had become a man of constant noise. I hummed to myself, tapped my fingers on desks before test, and clicked my teeth together when nothing else could be done. I played records constantly in my room, and I slept with the fan on every night. Technology has been a godsend for me. I spend more money than I could properly afford <laughs> to have a television that constantly streams noise. I bought eight tracks, home stereos, every loud gadget. I, legal, I eagerly embraced the Walkman in the 80s, uh, portable sound, and powered by batteries, those tiny lifesavers. I had spent years in terror of power outages, killers of electric noisemakers. The Walkman kept going for hours, and finally, I could breathe e easily when the storms made the lights flicker. These days, aged though I am, I am a smartphone user like everyone else. My contemporary laughs my contemporary laughs at my readiness to adopt the new technology, but for me, it's a life of ma it's a matter of life and death. I do not dare let the science descend upon me. And yet, I think I may have no choice soon. It has been 20 years since my hearing first started to fail. 15 since my first my first hearing aid. They have grown smaller and more powerful over the years, but technological advances are losing the race against my failing body. I can no longer hear the, the whirling of a fan, my constant companion all these years. Conversations have grown muted, and even with my phone synced to Bluetooth, my hearing aids and the volume turned high, my music gets quieter by the day. Yesterday, I sat alone in my house. My phone rebooted itself to install an update. In the silence behind it, I heard shattered claws clicking greedily, something foul and petulant dipping in the open cavern, and a horde sliding noise like raw meat being dragged across a grater. Oof. I hobbled to the kitchen and turned on the disposal, the blender, and the <laughs> microwave, but even so, it was just barely enough. I think soon all my efforts will be insufficient, and at last I will have nothing left but the silence. Dude. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> right? I'm like, all because you wanted to go to a float tank. All because you wanted $5. he was $5. making five bucks a pop. Yes. And he brought a demon home with him for the rest of well, whatever it is. Like right? from another dimension or something, you know? So that that's what I was thinking. I was like, was he time traveling? Like, or I think, something? like, if I think about it, it's he like probably. It's like upside down kind of I think he thing? went into another dimension. Like, he got subspaced. And something got somewhere like that, else. Right? And he brought something back, back with him in his brain. But yeah. it, so it's attached to him. Yeah, it's attached to him in the silence. And Yeesh. now he's losing his hearing. So I think about you, like you use one of those uh, noise, noise makers. makers like the, yeah, the, the white noise, noise like at nighttime because I can't right. sleep when it's quiet. And I hate like I don't hate it. I'm used to it now. now for 15 but if, years, yeah. right? Or whatever it's been. But yeah, I I can sleep in absolutely quiet. No, and I can't. You can't do nope, that. Can't so do I'm like, but in those, even in those things, I hear like beeps and stuff like that. So what's funny really is, um, I think because I have a, a sleep app that I use, and for a while it freaked me out for a while because I was like, I'm not going to listen to them if I keep you would hear like an electric sound. You hear like. 
like I'll have to play one for you sometime. Noise. It goes, rrr, rrr, it's really weird. And I was like, please don't let a voice come out of that because I may never sleep it again. It is the perfect place But for... I don't listen to my recordings now ever since then. Yeah, so here is what I was thinking of a sleep deprivation chamber from back in like the 60s or yes, 70s. Yes, which was when this is 56. And this is so... what I pulled up, right? Yeah. And you go, all right, I mean... Maybe. And I think they're even scarier now because they're individual tanks. But at least you're in a locked room by yourself and the door, you can, you can leave the door open. Right? right. But it's not dark. You're it, So if you've never done a float tank, like your body just kind of as you relax and it's super weird to float. In a, it's not like float. Like I can't float in the pool. Right. Like I sink. Right. We've proven this over we've and over. We've tried everything. I'm too dense, evidently. Right. And I just sink. Um, we've tried it dozens of times. Yeah. A pool in Phoenix. I put my hand behind your back, and, and I'm go, like, arch your back. And the minute I take my hand down, I'm like you go, I'm doing boop, all boop, the boop, things. Boop, right. Yep. But you go into one of those float tanks, and you just float. There's so much salt but in it. Your body jerks, and you do these weird. Well, things. and I couldn't get comfortable. Because I'm not used to being awake and being floaty. Right. You know, like when you sleep, I feel like that's probably almost what happens, but, but you're connected. But now imagine doing it multiple no. times where you get used to it and then your brain can literally disconnect Do something. and you're in the dark and it's quiet. Well, there's supposed to be benefits of doing it, correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I don't it's know very, what they yeah, are. It's absolutely but, like um, a, it, It's good. It's like meditation, clear, but a deeper, right. but I, I didn't know it wasn't my thing. And after now it's story, really not my thing. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly no what more. I'm thinking. Like after this story, I'm like, mm, I don't need to. Mm. Or do you do it and try and get something like this? Oh, hell to the no. Like, does, I don't want would, something. Why wouldn't he have wanted to know what it is? It's because when it coming, whole life. if you can smell it and you can hear it almost so intensely that you can then. feel it, it's going to eat you. <laughs> is it? It's going to eat, eat you. you. Yes. It's going to eat you. It's not after you because he needs a bestie in his life. <laughs> Maybe. I'm just saying. <laughs> Great story, honey. That Thanks. was a fun one. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. So to give you all all the people out there that are thinking about like alternative kind of things to do. Try it. A reason for pause. There you go. Right? Just take a moment. Try it, but be smart about what yeah, you try. Like go in there and. Maybe keep the Most door cracked love it. a little bit. I didn't like it. I like it. I, I had a good time. I know you did. Yeah. So thank you so much for tuning in to this Castro Files. We'll see you next time. Go out and like, subscribe to the show. Bye, Bye guys. Have a great Cheers. week. Have a great week.